102.5 FM, KXSFLP San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. What's up, San Francisco? Welcome to a very special episode tonight of Shenanigans here on Texas FLP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. You just heard the anti-heroes with carte blanche for chaos. Introducing me, DJ Andy Chaos. Uh, tonight's episode, super special to me. Uh, I got the opportunity to sit down with Milo from The Descendants, who personal hero to me. Uh, I mention it every now and then on the show, but my day job is as a organic chemist. Um, so being able to sit down with a dude who has a PhD in science and works full-time now uh, as the singer of a band was pretty cool. Sat down with them while they came through uh, Berkeley along with the Circle Jerks to talk about balancing science and punk rock and i'm going to play that uh interview for you today uh we did it 
at the UC Theater before the show, so there's a little bit, bit of background noise. Apologies for that, but I hope you enjoy it. So with ne- without any further to do, here is that interview. All right, so well, first of all, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. We, we just came out here for these two Berkeley shows, and then we're going down to L.A. to play a festival, and it's a short run, and... We like to keep them that way, short and sweet. <laughs> that's, that's what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been great. We just came back from uh, Europe. We were in Europe for about two weeks. So, uh, you know, post-COVID, things are looking more promising. And during COVID, we were sidelined as as every band was. Right, right. <laughs> it's nice to be at shows again without yeah. without a mask and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys just finished up a run with the Useless ID. Yep. And who else was on that in Europe? Oh, let's see. Uh, we played. Make War. We played. Make War? Yeah, Make War. Yeah. And then uh, one of our favorite bands, Wilhelm Scream, okay. joined in there for a few shows. So between them and Useless ID, those are kind of our, our charms, you know? Yeah, Useless ID is definitely on my like short list of bands. If they come to the U.S., like I'm going, I'm considering. Yeah. I would go to Israel and see them if they played with all like the side projects that they have. They have a bunch of like hardcore side projects yeah. that are really good. So. No, we usually, we bro down with them. We had a little backstage uh, assisted by alcohol. Ukulele uh, sings sing along with them. All right. So. <laughs> After one of the shows, so. that that reminded me, I'll have to ask you about the the, the uh, ukulele yeah. stuff. We'll be, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, all right, so well, let's start at the beginning and yeah. then talk about your your balancing act of, of science and, and punk for thirty five years. And yeah. my understanding is you bought a Descendants record before you were in the band and started going to practices, and they asked you to sing a song, and they liked it. And yeah, they didn't ask me. I said. <laughs> I just, I said <laughs> I said, I know that one because that's on the single that you just sold me. Because uh, Bill would Bill would sell these singles at school, Ride the Wild Hectic World, and I loved it. I was just getting into punk, really. Um, and I, I, but they they became my favorite band from that point. And I went to go see them practice, and I, you, they 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 had a, a girl, a, a female singer at the time, but she was the few practices that I went to, she wasn't showing up. And I thought, well, this mic is set up. The, you know, Frank and Tony aren't singing, so I'm just gonna jump in there because I thought it looks like fun. So I did. I think I sang "Hectic World" and and, uh, and I don't know. I mean, it it wasn't like okay, you're hired, but it was like maybe a few weeks later they realized, well, Milo's really into this, so let's get him to do it. You know, so that was, was kind of how it went down. So this is 1982-ish. You're in high school, and yeah, yeah, 80. I think it was late 80 when I joined, and then uh, we put out the Fat EP in 81. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah. And and by the time Milo Goes to College came out in 82, you had already decided you were going to go to college. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, when I joined the band, it was for fun. And, it, you know, I thought, well, I couldn't envision doing it as a career. And because I was starting to get into uh, some scientific stuff uh, just in school, just researching various things in high school not just like looking at literature and stuff in high school and realizing that some there were certain subjects that really I really intrigued me like DNA was one of the big ones and and the concept of molecular biology and, and genetic manipulation and that kind of spurred me into thinking well 
that's more of a career. Music isn't a career. <laughs> it definitely wasn't at that point. So. Was there anything specific that, that got you interested in, in biology? I really think it was, um, uh, I had to give a book, I had to give an oral report in my biology class. I didn't want to do it. They were forcing me to do it and I was really bummed that, that having to do it. But then I read this article on DNA and yet it just kind of tripped something in me like, oh, it's cool. It's like, I saw it as a, early on as a form of creativity more than, more than like a molecule. And that's, for some reason, I, I think in retrospect, that's kind of why I was drawn to it. It became a, it became a creative uh, avenue. Um, because I, I saw what was going on with genetic engineering and stuff. And, you know, of course, people diss on it now, the whole GMO thing. But at the time, it was kind of like this, this kind of new uh, forefront of how we could uh, improve people's health and this kind of thing. So, yeah. And, and that's still a hot topic now, right? Is this whole genomics idea of let's look at your DNA and, yeah. and see what specific medication might help yeah. work better for you than somebody else. Yeah, so. DNA is still in the thick of it in terms of like helping people predict what what they may encounter disease-wise mm -hmm. later on in life and, and, and that kind of thing. And now that they've fine-tuned the process of changing the DNA, you could do it in a way that uh, is very, very s subtle and you know, you're not like, you're not using a brute force approach, you're saying we're going to change this one nucleotide and that's going to help, you know, it's going to cure this disease or this kind of thing. It's, it's not as pie in the sky as it used to be. Right, so, right. Yeah. So you went away to UCSD for undergrad? Yeah. And the band continued, you guys wrote a couple albums and, and did some touring, which yeah. I think in undergrad that's still pretty relatively easy to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I took a few quarters off. Uh, this was down at UCSD, and I took a few quarters off to go tour. Okay. And then I came back, and my grades suffered because I was like, my head was still out on tour. But, yeah, I kind of made it work, you know, shifting back and forth. And, and at what point during your undergrad did you decide that you wanted to go to grad school? Um, I guess I was finishing up my undergrad degree, and the band was out, and I was just... I, I was kind of, again, just looking towards the future, like, okay, is, is, what is my career? And I still, even at that point, this would be in the 87, I still didn't see music as a viable career, really. So I thought, I still like science quite a bit, and um, the, I, the, the challenge, I guess, of getting a PhD was kind of looming over me, and it seemed like uh, I, I figured I'd take the plunge. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I, I, what I did is I realized that you can get an undergrad degree in, say, biology, and it doesn't really allow you to do what I wanted to do when I first got into the, uh, biology, which was have do creative research. And, you know, you can get an undergrad degree and you can go be a lab technician or whatever, that kind of thing. But I realized that, well, if I really want to do, you know, kind of like cutting-edge creative research, it requires the PhD, and that kind of was the, the deciding factor. What was what was it like getting your PhD? Were you in the lab like six yeah, hours a week? That was, uh, I think people don't realize like that getting a PhD isn't isn't taking classes in science. It's no, more sitting I, in the lab all day. Long. I only took a, I took a single course my first year. That was kind of just this comprehensive, all bio kind of course. Didn't even get tested at the end of it. They just they wanted you to take it, and and then they say you know go go huddle in the lab and do your you know thing. So you. I was in the lab for the next four years after that, just kind of 
grinding away. And uh, yeah, it's you learn about science just being a, a series of ups and downs. I wrote this song. One of my lyrics is "Life's just a series of ups and downs," and that was really just a you know kind of a way of explaining what science is to me too. You have a breakthrough and you get this huge rush, and it's like wow. And then you spend the next year, you know, flogging a dead horse, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then maybe you have another breakthrough and then you spend the next year flogging it, you know, and so that's, this is the way I learned that quickly, how that works. So that's how grad school was for me. I uh, had some success and I had some failure. <laughs> Listening to a special episode of Shenanigans here on KXSF LP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. I'm DJ Andy Chaos, and you're listening to an interview that I did uh, recently with Milo from The Descendants. Uh, he was just talking about how he wrote a song with the lyric, Life is just a series of lows and highs, and how that pertains to science in the lab that you make a discovery and then you kind of wallow trying to make the next one for a while uh that was dry spell by the descendants was my best guess at what that song was 
Uh, but you just heard it, and we'll get back into that interview uh, right after this quick message from KXSF. KXSF 102.5 FM needs you. If you share our commitment to community radio and have time to volunteer your skills in organization, content creation, grant writing, fundraising, and local networking, just go to www.kxsf.fm and click on Become a Volunteer. We need DJs, music hounds, and technical types, too. Volunteer now and help us keep real radio on the air in San Francisco. So I, I think it was probably around the end of grad school, you guys did like a two-month-long spring tour and then a summer tour. Was that when fine, the Fine All tour was? Yeah, Fine All. And uh, I mean, you know, the Bill and Carl and Stefan at that point were very understanding about, oh, it's, it's Milo. He's got to go do his thing, you know. When I went up to, when I went up to college, that was no-brainer, like, yeah, no duh. But then when I went off to grad school, I think you know, that was more of a bitter pill. But but I think they also just yeah, this is kind of his his dream or whatever that he's got to fulfill. Um, and they've been so supportive the whole time, you know. And I've just been the prodigal son through the whole thing, like coming, leaving, coming back. And they just you know they've always been supportive. And you know it's just a great it's a great family we have here. Now, so. so after PhD, you went and did a postdoc in Wisconsin. Yeah. I followed my wife out there. She went out to grad school out in Wisconsin, and I, I, I was finishing up my PhD, and I finished it, and then moved out there with her, uh, my girlfriend at the time, but wife became became my wife after that. Um, and yeah, that that was even harder than my PhD. Really, it was just you're getting so you're getting closer and closer to the goal in the ring, and it becomes it's that much more unattainable once you get that close and I just really I think I really struggled in, in Wisconsin to to kind of you know have the success that would get me you know like a tenure track position or whatever and uh, I didn't get it <laughs> was when you went to Wisconsin was that where you were interested in, in yeah yeah I wanted I wanted I was following like hardcore I want to be an academic you know and as my wife was she she was got her PhD in uh, philosophy so she, we, we, were in, we were in Wisconsin, she finished up her PhD and went, went on the job market. I, was, I went on the job market after having done this postdoctoral research and having a modicum of success, not, not enough basically, but I got some interviews, but she got some job offers. <laughs> so it's like, well, you got job offers, I only got interviews. You know, what's what A, what's the likelihood my interviews turn into job offers and B, are we even gonna be in the same city at that point? So I just threw in the towel and we moved out to Delaware. <laughs> and did you do a, a postdoc at UPenn as well at some Yeah, time? yeah. So I got it's I got pretty to, close to Delaware, right? Yeah, this yeah, it's just weird. Science science really just it, it humbles you is was what my experience was. Is I got it I got to Delaware unemployed basically because I just moved there with my wife and kind of tooled around to try to figure something out and didn't really see anything in Delaware of, of, of worth at least at the university and but knew but knew a guy or at Penn that was interested and so I did a, I did like a year-long second postdoc with him um, but then I was able to get my foot in the door at DuPont 
And so then that was kind of, that was a bit as close to the golden ring that I was going to get because it was like, my wife's there, we're, we're, we've solved what they call the two body problem. <laughs> so we solved that problem. We, go, we both get to live in Delaware and I get to work in my field of choice and she gets to work in her field of choice. I mean, it's, it was pretty dreamy. And was your work at DuPont like very similar to what you were doing in your postdoc? Yeah, yeah, I mean, same. We were, I was working on the Rabidopsis, which is the, kind of the model system for plants. Um, but it, to, DuPont was a, more of a, it's a corn company. You, you don't, you can't market Arabidopsis, but you use Arabidopsis as as a way of converting discoveries into the corn system, and then that becomes that can become products. Corn products, uh, different strains of corn, different breeds, that can, uh, different, uh, yeah, uh, cultivars or whatever. And so that's kind of where I, I was able to, yeah, use some of my background in Arabidopsis and my genetic, my molecular genetics, the plants kind of background. And, you know, the first few years were really heady. They were just really, I mean, I hit upon this one area called microRNAs. Um, and, uh, just probably, let's say probably discovered the first microRNA in plants. <laughs> it was a, cl it was close. <laughs> yeah. No nature paper out of that one. <laughs> I, I submitted it to, I submitted it to nature, but here's the deal. The, the other guy that was like working on microRNAs happened to be on the, on the editorial or ha happened to get, get my paper. I think got my paper to, to nature. So I, and, and also I just, I think my paper was more suited for somewhere else. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, so at, when you were at DuPont, were you at the bench? Did you move to management? Did you have a preference? Early on, I was at the bench, and uh, I had a technician who helped me, um, but I really made, for that, for that micronate project, I was the one just doing it. And it was frustrating because I didn't have the, the kind of manpower to really push it forward. But I was able to kind of really immerse myself creatively in that research. And it was, as I said, a really heady experience. It, it, you know, microRNAs were just starting to kind of explode at that point. And uh, I was right in the thick of it, just kind of really, you know, enjoying the ride. <laughs> so, yeah, but, and, and so then what happened is that um, finished the microRNA project, and because I'm at a company, I, they, it's kind of this top-down, like, well, now you need to go work on this other thing. And I was like, but I like working on microRNAs. And they go, no, 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 you got to work on this other thing. So I got shifted off of that, and that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I guess when you, seemingly when you first started at DuPont, is when Cool to Be You was recorded, and you recorded vocals yeah. in Delaware? Yeah, so we, I had submitted songs to Bill, but I submitted some songs to Bill in, I'm just going to say, like, probably 2000, I think. Um, before I even started DuPont, I, I had submitted him some songs, and it took him a while to kind of uh, uh, get everyone together to, first of all, to track those songs, but also to everyone to write songs to complement my songs, and we would always write together. So by the time we actually sat down to record vocals, it was like 2002. And I was right in the thick of this, this like fantastic research. And my son was about to be born. So I was like, okay, this should have happened two years ago when I was just like this free agent. <laughs> but no, it's happening now, right when I'm just, and so yeah, you talk about this, this like 
juggling science and music and that was just right then and there like okay I'm gonna do this I'm gonna record these vocals at night after I've after I've done my science for the day and I'm gonna record the vocals at night yeah, so. and then and then that album came out in 2004 and Descendants kind of went on a hiatus again yeah I, I, I when I when I agreed to do Cool to Be You I said I can't really tour I there's no way um, I can't quit my science job to go tour so that was that was the agreement we just put it out there and let it dangle and see what happens you know but uh, you know it's you know that record that record definitely was made under less than optimal circumstances for sure came out great well yeah still holds I mean, up now yeah I mean I, I I it's it's because I was not in the realm of music at that point I struggled a bit with my voice for it and that was my and I feel like it didn't have enough contribution from, say, Stefan, in terms of the songwriting. He, he on 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 our most recent Hypercathium record, um, his songs are the best songs. I mean, Stefan's songs just kill, and we really missed that on on Cool to Be You. Yeah. So then, 2010 is when the reunion, the one-off reunions, kind of started. Yeah, I mean, I think. I, I view 2010 as me dipping my toe back in the water and and thinking, you know what, I have, I was using my vacation time. That's how I could make it, make juggle the things. Like, okay, take a look. And my my wife was like, okay, but now we don't get to go on vacation. <laughs> but it, you know, the money would kind of offset that, you know, so in, in a certain sense. But so uh, I was I was doing that and. But every time I'd go out and do it, it was just great, you know. It was just like I'd come back and be like, wow, I wish I had more vacation time so I could go do this. Um, and so I started to get more vacation time I mean, as, I, as I, you know, matured in the company. And we were able to do more shows. And, it, yeah, at some point, I was just, I was really just kind of wondering, maybe I should just quit this job because then I can do it, then I can do music as much as I want. And... And then they laid me off, so that made my, my made decision. your decision easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that was 2015, 2016. 16. Okay. Yeah, I mean that was that was one of these things where it was, I guess, meant to be or just faded because I was really just thinking that way anyway. It's like I just want to go do music, and then when they laid me off, and my and I I'd gotten put on a variety of projects, each of which. Each each successive project was less and less interesting to me. My group became less and less manageable. I became more of a manager, less of a bench person. I became more of a manager, but I also became more of a psychiatrist to my people. So it was not a good scene. It was not pleasant. So had had hypercaffeine spasmate recording started before or after? Or writing started before or after? It started Dupont. before I got laid off. And okay. I ba basically, I think when I got laid off, I had to turn to my, my company computer. I turned to my company computer on the way to the airport to pick up a bill so that we could record vocals. So all the tracking had been, all the you know, instrument tracking had been done. We just had to do vocals. And I said, Bill, uh, I don't have a, a science job anymore. Let's go record vocals. <laughs> so timing. Yeah. And did you teach at, at UD at some point? Well, I did some, I did some uh, adjunct lecturing 
basically by invitation, like someone would say, I need you to give a lecture on microRNAs to my class, and I'd go and do that. I, I never ran a class, I never you know, had a course listed or anything, but I would do the occasional uh, guest lecture. Did you have people recognize you? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I guess that brings us basically to 2015, bands back together, doing tours again, and, yep. and here we are. Of course, 2019, everything, or 2020, everything kind of stopped. Um, yeah. And, and science got pushed to the forefront again. Was there any nudge to get, to get back into it? I mean, I definitely, in the low points of, of that COVID, that COVID banishment from music, I definitely had some thoughts about that, but I never really entertained them that seriously because I, I guess I just, my last few years at DuPont were just not very much fun. And probably if I were to go back into science at that point, I would have ended up going back into an academic position, but it would not have been tenure track. It would have been some kind of a research, uh, soft money kind of position working for a faculty guy. Is it still going? Um, so I don't know. That's, that's why it wasn't like I could rebound off of this DuPont job to then go and, and get my coveted academic position. That wasn't going to happen. I, and I kind of feel like that's mostly how it goes is that you do your postdoc and then at some point it's like, am I going into academia or am I going into industry? Yeah. But once, once you make that decision, there's not a whole lot of crossover, right? Yeah, I mean, I kind of think the people who have been able to, and there are some people, DuPont, who did go back into academia, it's because they published the entire time, and that is a pain in the ass. In, in Going through legal, especially. Yeah. yeah. You, if, once you're in an industry position, you say, well, I got this great thing, I want to publish it. Oh, you know, legal's got to sit on it for like six months, or whatever. Right. And all of a sudden, it's not the hot new thing it was, or just, you know, it's just so many kind of like hoops to jump through from the kind of uh, legal, from the from the lawyers to get something published. I did publish, you know, a few articles when I was at DuPont, but no, you'd have to, it would have to be like a real, you know, vigorous publishing uh, campaign in order to get a, you know, a good science job, yeah. a, good, a good academic job. So, yeah. I want to be stereotyped. I want to be classified.
to be stereotyped. I want to be classified. Welcome back to a very special episode of Shenanigans here on KXSFLP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. You are listening to me. A couple weeks ago, I got the opportunity to sit down and interview Dr. Milo Ackerman of The Descendants. Uh, we are just getting to the portion of the interview where he is less interested in his science job and the descendants are kind of starting to play more shows. With that said, uh, quick info from the station and we'll jump back into the interview. If you're in the music industry and find yourself struggling emotionally, there's now an easy, free place to turn for help. Backline is a mental health and wellness resource hub specifically for artists, support crew, and their families. Through Backline's online portal, find a therapist, join a weekly virtual support group, or sign up for yoga or meditation. KXSF is proud to partner with Backline to find help for music industry professionals. Learn more by going online to backline.care. So my first Descendant show, I'm 36, so you guys were mostly broken up when I was going to shows, uh, was 2013 Riot Fest, Denver. So I flew from, I was in, I was doing my master's in Atlanta, uh, okay. terminal master's program, flew to Denver for Riot Fest. And something that's been interesting now, because at the time I was like, I gotta go to Denver because it'd be my only chance to see this band. Yeah. <laughs> now I've seen you guys, this will be my ninth Descendants show. Um, but something that's been interesting to me is the evolution of your water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think yeah. in Denver it was a Camelback, and now it's the the shoulder strap. So I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing the story. Well, I mean, so back in the day, I never really knew how to take care of my voice, and I was always just teetering on losing it. Of course, Bill would argue that that's when you sound the best <laughs> when you're just about to lose your voice. Yeah, and I'd be like. Okay, but now we're gonna now we're gonna cancel shows. Right. What about tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I did I did learn along the way the two main things aside well three main things warm up warm up's good um, sleep and hydration is the third one and so I got pretty obsessed with like drinking water on a show day all day and then drinking water on stage which uh, never, I mean, I, I never really did a ton of that before. We don't really, our set is the, the way it's put together is you just go from one song right to the next, boom, yeah, boom, boom. burn boom. through it. Yeah, and I don't have time to kind of go, wait, 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 I need to take a drink of water. It's like, up oh, that, we're going. So I had to kind of work out some kind of hydration, which allowed me to do it during a song rather than in between songs. I mean, I and also the, the way our songs work, it's just lyrics throughout the whole, I mean, I don't have huge gaps of, of like non-vocal space in a song. It just doesn't happen that way. So yeah, that was the idea. What can I do to drink water during a song and not have to hold a bottle in my hand, basically? Um, and yeah, I think initially it was the Camelback, which I would wear under my shirt and make it look like I was a hunchback. <laughs> so that was dumb. I mean, I, for a while, I kind of got off on how like dorky it was, how nerdy I looked doing it. But then I realized that's that's a bridge too far. I don't want to be that dorky. Um, and I, I I actually looked into all different kinds of things that, like, say, runners would use. Because obviously, runners would use like, something like a camelback, but then there's these things, these wrist 
these wrist I think I saw that at one point. Yeah, I, I, that lasted like a show or two <laughs> shows. I mean, just it just didn't seem to work that well. But then I was at REI and I and I I saw these things that just like a, str a strap with a hold, a strap with a holder, and a it it fits because it's not on my back anymore. It's easier to clean, and it looks like you've got a guitar on too. <laughs> you know, strap on your you, guitar. You can air guitar with it. Yeah, I can, you strap. You, you know, Stefan straps on the guitar. I strap on my water. You know, so I've been rolling that for a while now, and I've been, yeah, I've been digging it. Yeah, it works for me. It's funny talking about like how you guys go back to back, song, song, song. I think it was Riot Fest in Denver, 2016, probably the second year. Um, no Effects did Punk and Drublick in its entirety. Yeah. And you guys did Milo Goes to College in its entirety. Yeah, that was in Denver, yeah. And uh, I want to say No Effects, it took them like 45 minutes to play their 24 minute album. <laughs> and then and then they had like. 12 minutes to do the decline which they just had to like speed up and i think stefan played it with them oh okay um and you guys did milo goes to college which is like 22 minutes and 24 minutes and oh then, wow and then had like another 36 minutes to play other stuff yeah yeah wow. and it's just funny like how how much talking no effects has compared to you guys just like song after song after song i mean song. i i i dig it when bands do that it's just that um you know i think bill's he's kind of the He's the, he's the, the, the ringleader. He's the he's the one who's like okay, he's counting off the songs. The drummer's counting off the songs, and um, he uh, he's very much like you know it's all about the momentum of the show. And I I agree with him. I don't I don't think we need to be kind of jibber jabbering. Plus, you know, no effects has has worked in the art form. I mean, their jibber jabber is top notch. You know, I I struggle along with it. I don't do as I don't do it as much. I guess I'd get better at it if I did more of it. But at any rate, we just haven't had too much cause to do a lot of jibber jabber. You know? um, and Bill's played when Bill was playing with Flag, and Keith Keith's very much like I need my time in between the songs to to rant or whatever. So he's Bill's seen both sides of it. <laughs> and and Keith definitely does some ranting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's great. You know, he's Keith, man. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, absolutely. Yeah. So last year, Ninth and Walnut came out. Yeah. Um, and that was written 77 to 81-ish, and other parts were recorded in the 80s, and then you did vocals. Yeah, yeah, the songs are written in, yeah, 77 to probably 79. Okay. Um, or 80, yeah. And uh, I'd say about half the songs, half the songs I, I, had heard, I heard back then and those were songs that we played a little bit uh, early on, like Baby Don't You Know, Crepe Suzette. We played those, I, I played those with them when I joined. But the other half of the songs I'd never even heard before. Um, and, uh, well, I guess it's the third category. There's songs that I heard them play, but as soon as I joined, they, 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 they snatched them away. <laughs> they snatched them out of the set. And my, my theory on that is that the songs that got snatched out of the set when I joined were ones that they thought, oh, this guy can't sing these. You know, because I didn't know how to sing, really. Like a song like uh, Last of the Mohicans. I saw them play that, I was like, that's a great song. And then I, day one of practice, where's, where's Last of the Mohicans? You know, <laughs> and I, only in retrospect, I think they maybe were thinking, we want to do more of the kind of like, the more like aggressive, black flaggy kind of stuff. Leave last one he gets out because that's that requires some actual singing. 
<laughs> but then in doing, then when I did the vocals for that, you know, for the record, I I, I said, and now I now I now I can actually do it. I can do it now. I couldn't do it back then, but I can do it now. So there's a, there's a benefit to waiting forty years. <laughs> uh, and after that, you did a summer tour with with Rise Against and the Menzingers. Yeah. And then it's been kind of off shows here and there again. Yeah, yeah. We we that was the first time with Rise. It's the first time we've gone out on like a solid month tour where we were playing not every night, but we were playing many nights, and it was you know a big challenge because. For me, for like as the singer, it's like, okay, can I still, will my voice still kind of withstand it? What I found is that my voice got better and better the longer the tour went on. And that's just the way it works for me. The fr anytime we go on a tour for any length of time, like one or two weeks, the first couple shows, I'm just getting my, I'm just getting my voice to the right timbre that it needs to be. And uh, so I did struggle the first part of that tour, but then, by the time the tour was ending, I was like, oh, I wanted to stay out for another month because it was starting to really, like, you know, rip. Yeah, so that, it's weird the way that works, but yeah, it, it, that was a fun tour. That was a blast to hang out with Rise and those guys. And, yeah. and now you guys have an East Coast tour with H2O coming up. Oh, I didn't realize they were on the bill. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you do? Yeah. It's probably, I think it's just a few shows. But yeah, yeah, just yeah. just the East Coast run. Yeah. But any plans for something longer or a West Coast run or more music coming up? Well, we're always gonna. I think the way the way we work it is we just go out for. We'll go out for like a week and then come home and then we'll go out for you know we we'll we'll hit the whole U.S. but it'll be in piecemeal. It'll be like in pieces like that because that's we're we're done doing three month tours. We're even done doing month tours really. I mean the thing with Rise was kind of a an unusual circumstance, really. Um, so yeah, we'll be hitting everything, you know. Again, uh, now that now that uh, now that we're allowed to, yeah. Um, but uh, it's the thing is, is I feel like the way we've been doing it for the past few years has allowed us to kind of just just kind of keep going, like without any kind of diminution of like enthusiasm. We just all. Like I just every time I come back from one of these little tours, I just can't wait for the next one. You know, whereas you know even even when I was a young pup, if I got through with a three-month tour, I was like, you know what? I don't need to go back out there for a while. You know? Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> so, comes to a grind at that point. Yeah, you, you're, you're happy you're, to be home. You're happy to be home, and you're just like, that was kind of brutal. You know? So the way we're doing it now, I kind of think it sets us up for like a long, more I'd say a more long-term commitment to what we're doing because we just we just do it we do it in a way that makes it fun and if that means that we only go out for a week and that's going to make it the most fun that's what we're going to do so, so you, you kind of led with it at the beginning talking about some backstage uke hangouts yeah last last year you put out a seven inch on fat rebuke oh yeah yeah so how, how'd that come about and any plans to do more of that yeah i was i had Recorded well. I had written these songs and I submitted them to the to the Descendants, the band, and they recorded them. But it wasn't clear when these songs that were very political in nature were actually going to come out. Not only were they political in nature, they actually they actually had a shelf life. You know, songs about like the election, right? Mm -hmm. And I started to realize, well, what if these just don't come out until after the election's over? At that point, I'd say don't bother. And I was like. I think maybe I should just record them myself. That way I can make sure they come out. 
And so I, 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 I had a, and I was starting to kind of, I had bought this uke that was actually a five, a six string uke. And it was really fun to play. It was like, it sounded like a hybrid of a guitar and a uke. And I, I was enjoying playing it and I realized, well, I like, oh, I could record using this six string uke and maybe that would be something I could put out. Uh, and I, you know, I, I just used some tabla, ta tabla drums for, for percussion and Bill actually got, got into it and bought me a uke bass that I, I played on there. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I contacted uh, Fat Mike and he was like, yeah, cool, we'll, we'll put it out. And actually, Epitaph put out the digital, Fat, um, Fat Mike put out the, uh, the, kind, of, the kind of physical, the vinyl, yeah. Yeah, the vinyl. And uh, yeah, it was. It, I accomplished what I wanted to do, which is get them out before the election. That was basically. Um, and uh, I don't think I'll be doing any more of it. I mean, it was fun to do, but it was it was it was born out of desperation of like I don't know if these are gonna. I don't know if these. You are wanted gonna, them to be heard. I wanted them to be heard. On the, on now I, I, I imagine there's. I'll write some songs that are just like, oh, this is just not an ascendant song. You know, these. This is too folky, or this. And maybe maybe I could I could uh, go back to that format for some songs that are more folky, folk oriented or whatever, not as like straight ahead rock. So maybe 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 I'll dust off the uke and do that. Yeah.
Welcome back once again to a special episode of Shenanigans here on KXSFLP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. You're listening to me, DJ Andy Chaos, interviewing Dr. Milo Ackerman of The Descendants uh, a few weeks ago over at the UC Theater in Berkeley. Uh, We were just talking about his ukulele project, so that last song was Rebuke with On You. And we're going to jump back into it after this quick message from KXSF. It takes a village to keep independent radio alive and well in San Francisco. That's why KXSF 102.5 FM is looking for underwriters to support our station. If you are an individual who loves listening to local artists and bands, or you run a business that cares about cultural diversity in our city, your tax-deductible donation to San Francisco Community Radio is a great investment. To find out more about how to become an underwriter, go to www.kxsf.fm, click on Become an Underwriter, and help keep KXSF on the air. So I always like to ask, what, what are you listening to now? Uh, what am I listening to now? What did I just put on the other day? Uh, uh, I listened to a lot of different stuff, but I mean, I did like that Linda Linda's thing that came out, you know? It's so uh, innocent, you know? And so, I mean, they. Actually, some songs are really good. You know, they wrote good songs for that. Um, uh, so yeah, that was cool. Um, I'm trying to think of, of other stuff. Um, I'm curious to see the band tomorrow night. That's fake gonna, fruit. Fake fruit. I want to see fake fruit. I, I was listening to some of them the other night. It sounded pretty cool. It's like kind of post-punk, quirky post-punk. I, I really like that. That, that sounds like yeah, my bag. So yeah. This will be my first Fake Fruit show. I've seen Grumpster a handful of times okay, and, and yeah. play them all the time. So Yeah, I haven't heard any of them yet, but I'll have to check them out. Yeah. And so, do you listen to more punk or do you listen to other stuff? Well, I, 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 I probably, I have a soft spot for anything that sounds like L.A. punk. Even if it's not from L.A., if it sounds that way, I'll, I'll be into it. Like, I, I just, it, it, it puts you back in that, that mode of like, yeah, ja- uh, Germs X. Black Flag, you know, anything like that, that that has that sound, that still has that sound while listening to it. Um, but I I went through a long period of being into like power pop and stuff, so, because that's how I, I kind of got into punk through the new wave scene and some of that power pop, like the Plimsolls and the Cars and all that. And so, if I hear a good power pop band, I'll listen to them. I was, I was on a major terror with like Sloan for a while. And, the new pornographers, um, and so yeah, I just I, I probably between power pop and punk, I pretty much covers that. I'm not listening to any jazz. And and so, what are you doing now that you're not working nine to five when when the band's not on on the road? Well, for a while, I was I was kind of like Mr. Dad. I was, or Mr. Mom, I guess. I, you know, I'd take the kids to school and stuff like that. But as of September, or as of August, late August, both my kids left for school. So, yeah, I'm gonna go home and, and I'm gonna be, I, I was already kind of like 
you know, kind of idle, even while I was helping take care of them. But now, now I got to come up with something else. <laughs> I don't have any kids to take care of anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to. Uh, maybe I'll have to do that review project at this point. My dad, my dad just took a pickleball because he's getting bored. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Working from home, he's like, I need something to do. I, I, I pick, I pick up running again, and then blew my my knee kind of blew out. Um, so I, yeah, I got to get back into the gym. You know, it's like I can consider it an offshoot of the, of the band. That if, if I don't stay stay like strong and healthy, then the band will suffer. So maybe I, <laughs> maybe I got to get back into the gym. Yeah. Any of any final words for the people of San Francisco uh, or scientists in the world that are trying to decide if they want to go uh, to college yeah. or do music? <laughs> well, it's. Uh, don't take anything for granted when you when you go to grad school. That was my 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 big discovery or learning was that I thought I'd go to grad school and as long as I got that coveted PhD, you know, the world would just open up to me. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely not. No. So there's a lot of scrabbling to do even after you get that PhD. So just be prepared. It's uh, it's tough. Science is a tough gig. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. Looking forward to the set tonight yeah. and, and again tomorrow. So, thank you. All right. All right. Cool. Welcome back once again to Shenanigans here on Texas FLP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. 
That last song was The Descendants with I'm the One. We just wrapped up the interview that I did with Milo, singer of The Descendants, a few weeks ago at the UC Theater in Berkeley. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Shenanigans is every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific here on KXSF 102.5 FM in San Francisco, anywhere in the world at kxsf.fm. But as always, I'm going to end with the Bouncing Souls. Thanks for listening. Have a great Sunday. Did you intimidate her? Her mother says you wouldn't let her use the phone. Were you intoxicated? Past the point of knowing what was going on. Better yet, don't forget, leave the keys on the TV set. Hoping you're gone from the corner bar. Here we are at the dark, knocking back the maker's mark. Scratching up the dollars from my buddy's car. Lean on Sheena, she leans on me a lot. Hold on, hold on, hold on to what you've got. Intimidator, how'd you make her feel? Worse than she did before And I heard you Came back later Had the upstairs neighbors Banging on the floor Better yet, don't forget Leave the keys on the TV set Open your gun from the corner bar Here we are at the dark Knocking back the maker's mark Scratching up the dollars from my buddy's car And lean on Sheena she leans on me a lot Hold on, hold on Hold on to what you got Hold on to what you got Intimidator Her mother said you What you've got. 102.5 FM.
KXSFLP San Francisco and KXSF.FM.